Do you have a first memory of global missions? Um, yes. So I've been thinking about this today since I knew that we were going to talk about this. And um, really the first memory I can think of is being in GAs at Marion Baptist Church on Wednesday nights. GAs is for people who didn't grow up Southern Baptist. Girls in action. And um, really we learned about Missionaries, that's all I remember doing in GAs. Yeah, that's pretty much what GAs is about. And then RAs for the boys, Mm -hmm. Royal Ambassadors. For me, I think, I'm not sure how old I was, but I think my first memory of global missions was a short-term mission team from our our home church, my home church, Hardin Baptist, who came back from Brazil and gave a report about going to a village on the Amazon River I still remember the name of the village because we prayed for this village. We still pray for this village um, at Hardin Baptist. It's called Baharanya, and that's our West Kentucky way of pronouncing <laughs> the word, the name of the village. I'm sure, and um, and I just remember being um, fascinated by the fact that people from our church had gone to another country and had helped to start a church and do all these things. And, and that was just something that stood out to me like, wow, this, this, is, this is something to learn more about. Today on our podcast, we're going to learn more about missions and the rest of our story. This is episode one. Welcome to Gospel Life, the podcast of Gospel Life Global Missions. I'm Josh Hutchins. And I'm Stacy Lee Hutchins. And today we're going to be talking about something that's very close to our hearts, which is our personal call and guiding to the mission field and to Malawi specifically. And in case you don't know much about Gospel Life Global Missions, we started Gospel Life just over a year ago, and it's a uh, 501c3 missionary sending organization that is connected to our home church, Hardin Baptist Church, with the purpose of glorifying God by growing disciples who make disciples. And we focus on the country of Malawi, we focus on training pastors, we focus on planting churches and helping churches to grow, and also on compassion ministries. And we're just in the beginning stages of gospel life. We are the first missionaries Mm -hmm. appointed by the board, and we are moving to Malawi in July. And so one of the questions that I get a lot, because I'm the one who's mainly traveling and talking with pastors Oh, and I get it too. Um, the question, okay, we get is, why Malawi? How did you get connected with this which little course, country? Which is, of course, this follow-up question to where? Yes. <laughs> where? <laughs> where is that? Is that in Hawaii? Yeah, not Hawaii. <laughs> But still beautiful um, Uh and warm in Southern Africa between like Zambia, Mozambique, Tanzania. Mm -hmm. So why Malawi? How did how did God do this? That's the that's what people are really asking, I think. Right. Whether they know it or not. How did God do this in your life? Right. Well, the really short version that sometimes I tell people is we know people there. 
That's the easiest version. The middle length version is um, that in college, I worked for a camp called Crossings. At Crossings, we supported some missionaries in Moldova. And then I worked in the Crossings Central Office, and Josh and I were praying about going overseas for two years. And one day, that missionary that we were supporting in Moldova came into the office. And while Josh and I were praying about it, I loved kids and camp and was always like, don't you want to work at an orphanage? And he loves to teach and wanted to teach. And that missionary, Eric Chapman, came and he said, I'm looking for a guy. I want y'all to pray that God will send me a guy who will come help me teach and start a school and also run camps in the summer. And the amazing thing about this was that it was at a time in our life when we were looking exactly for that. You know, it wasn't just about that's what we wanted to do. It was also about the fact that it was the timing that we were looking to go overseas and serve in international missions for about two or three years. Mm -hmm. At the exact same time that he needed that. Yes. And that we were open to it because we had been looking at different organizations, applying with different sending organizations. And this was 2008. So if you remember anything about 2008, the uh, markets crashed, the economy went down the tube, and we were hitting a lot of resistance. And some of it was just financial because missions sending agencies were stopping programs because the the funding was drying up. Mm -hmm. And so here we are applying and the programs are being cut off. And so we're at this point where we were really um, discouraged because we felt that God was calling us to go overseas for a couple of years and serve. And at the same time, door after door after door was being shut. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Eric and Stephanie Chapman walk into the crossings office with the exact job description that we would have written had we known to write one. At that time... God just really opened our eyes and hearts to say, these are the circumstances that have led us down that road. And we could trust him with that because he is sovereign. And I know a lot of times when people are trying to discern a call to a certain country or people group or even job description, there's so much angst about what is God's will for me? I love what I love what Dr. David Seals calls it. I don't know if this is original with him, but this is in his book, The Missionary Call, and he calls it the paralysis of analysis. Mm-hmm. So in, in discerning God's will for your life, there's so many believers who are paralyzed by this constant like evaluating, reevaluating, questioning, um, whether or not this is really God's will and um, are they going to miss God's will and turn up in some place they're not supposed to be and everything's going to go wrong for their life and they think they have to be in the exact center of God's will as if that's something that you really have a hard time figuring out and God's kind of keeping it hidden from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I think we believe that God made it very difficult for us to miss. This is where he wanted us to be. And that's kind of how we've always been. I mean, we were kind of that way with getting married, too. There was no agonizing over, is this the right person? It was just kind of like, I'm following God, and I 
want what God wants for me and God has put this person in my life. And so I'm just going to keep walking in this direction. And obviously there's the scriptures in these circumstances in life where there are things that the Bible says not to do. And those things are not the will of God for your life. Right. Um, Like in, uh, what is it? First Thessalonians chapter three or is chapter four, where he says, this is the will of God that you abstain from sexual immorality. Like that's that's, pretty clear. That's clear. Um, There are other things that are wisdom. Like this is wise. This is unwise. And then there are other aspects of life where God puts a desire in your heart and God aligns circumstances in your life. And that opportunity is there and you take it. And you don't have to constantly be thinking, did I make a mistake? Mm -hmm. Because if you're a believer who's spending time with the Lord in prayer, in the word, I just believe that, that God wants you to get it right. You know, you're praying basically, not my will, your will be done. God's going to make that clear to you. Yeah, you're you're walking with God. You're not playing hide and seek with him. That's a good good <laughs> way of putting it. I I'm going to tweet that sometimes and, <laughs> okay, and tag you, you because that's really how people feel. Mm-hmm. It is. It's hide and seek. But the 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 analogy the scripture uses is the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. He's going to guide you where you're supposed to be. Exactly. And sheep, last time I checked, are pretty brainless creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, not that we don't have a part to play in this, but just trust the shepherd and he's going to align things and bring you where you're supposed to be. Right. So that's what we did. We saw this opportunity and we walked through it. And so the Lord led us to serve two amazing years with the Chapmans in Malawi, Moldova. Moldova, a country in Eastern Europe. (laughs) Both tiny, obscure, poor countries that start with M. So we get them mixed up when they come out of our mouths Moldova, Malawi, Moldova, Malawi, Moldova, Malawi. Anyway, two amazing years serving there with them. And we just loved the Chapmans and loved what we got to do there with them. And I'm getting an impression that you enjoyed living in the country of Moldova. Just something I'm picking up here. I loved it. With all my heart, I I have never loved anything more than I loved living in Moldova those you two loved years. The mud roads. Mm-hmm. You loved the cows and the chickens. I just want to give the people who are listening a picture. We have, of course, the the greatest musical of all time is Fiddler on the Roof. Absolutely. And so you just have to picture. Anatevka, the village in Fiddler on the Roof, which is actually in what today is Ukraine or Russia, but in Moldova, it was that was where we lived. Was and if Anatevka. you don't know what Anatevka is, and if you've not seen this movie or this play, you need to repent and go find a way to watch it and right it, now. It is the best musical of all time. Yeah. And we've seen The Greatest Showman, and we love The Greatest Showman. Yeah. But we love Fiddler is still the best. Yeah. So where we lived was basically like Anatevka, but without the whole Jewish Russian thing. And there were a few people with cars, whereas there were cars. Yeah. Yeah. And you loved it. 
And I loved it. Um, but we come to the end of those two years and we knew that I wanted to come back to the U.S. to continue my master's degree. And we were having some issues with our son. He wasn't learning to talk and he was almost two years old at the time. So we needed to get that checked out. So we came back to Kentucky. That was the hardest thing I have ever done. And I grieved hard for a long time. We didn't know that we would ever get to live overseas again because Jude was diagnosed with autism pretty soon after that. And we just didn't know what the future held for us. And I feel like there's a lot about Dr. David Sills in this episode already. Uh huh. Um, but he's just an amazing guy. We love him so much. And during that time period, we were living in a little seminary apartment um, in Louisville. And you were having such a hard time that I asked Dr. Sills and his wife, Mary, to come over to our apartment. They had dinner with us and just talk about reverse culture shock. And um, he really helped you. And we'll probably talk more about that at some point, but maybe a, a little bit about that. Yeah, he was so helpful. He helped me realize I was prepared for reverse culture shock when we moved back. Uh, he helped me see that it wasn't the culture shock. It was grief. I was grieving the loss of those friendships and relationships and who I was there in that whole life. And that that conversation and that night was the beginning of me finally being able to heal from that grief. And I was going through that too. I had left being the professor of New Testament sounded really amazing, uh, mm-hmm. in a Bible Institute in Vodic, Moldova. And then I was a barista at Starbucks in Louisville. Mm-hmm. And so it was a big adjustment. And we're still at the same time dealing with the fact that our time in Moldova had affirmed that we were gifted to be missionaries. Absolutely. That we excelled on the mission field. Some people, they fall apart. They're not cut out to live in another culture, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. Everybody's different. God's made people different. But we excelled, and we were gifted to do it, and God was saying to us, this is what you're good at. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, we're back in the U.S. Jude gets diagnosed with autism, And we don't know if we're ever going to get back to where our passion was and where our gifting was. Right. So what does this have to do with Malawi, you might be asking? Well, let me tell you. During this time, Eric and Stephanie started a mission in Malawi. And I'm not really sure how they chose Malawi and how all that happened. We'll have them on the podcast at some point and they can fill in some of those details as well as lots of other cool stuff. I'm sure they'll have to say, but so they started a mission in Malawi and their plan was for Moldovans to take mission trips to Malawi. And that never really panned out for several reasons. But at the same time, the Malawians just started spreading the gospel like crazy in Malawi. It it wasn't Eric going out and making them repeat prayers and you know, inflating church numbers. It was the Malawians hearing it, the gospel. It was the book of Acts. It uh, was. Replicated where he started partnering with two churches in the city of Zomba, Malawi. And they just began going to villages, preaching the good news. And people were being saved. And then there was a new church there. 
And today, there are about 150 of these churches that are part of this network uh, that starts with these two churches, and now most of those churches have been planted within the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so all of these new churches are being led by baby baby believers. I mean, obviously grown men, but you know what I mean. Um, new believers trying to lead new churches and Eric starts training them, having these modular classes so that he can train them. A lot of them can't even read the Bible for themselves. And meanwhile, back in Kentucky, I was called to pastor a church, Mount Tabor Baptist Church in LaRue County, Kentucky. And we had been there for just over a year when we went on a mission trip the two of us, to Malawi for two weeks to train these pastors. Eric had just kept telling me about what God was doing there. I wanted to see it. I wanted to be a part of it. And we were in this position where I loved serving pastors overseas and teaching them, but didn't think I was ever going to be able to move back overseas. So this was supposed to be a part of my ministry as a pastor to kind of scratch that itch. And I didn't really have any job on that trip. I took some pictures, but I was mostly just like, you are not leaving me at home. <laughs> <laughs> so on that first trip, which I think was in 2014, how long was it before you thought this is where we should be? It was very shortly after leaving the airport. <laughs> probably driving from the airport to their house in Zomba. I was looking out the windows and I was just like, yeah, yeah, I could do this. So this was a thought that you could do this. To be fair, there are a lot of places that we've been able to travel in the world. And I think everyone that we go to, you want to move there. Absolutely, I do. (laughs) So I'm seeing a little bit of a trend. I don't think I've ever traveled to a place I'd didn't want to move to. Truly. I I think that's probably true. I was just racking my brain trying to think of some place (laughs) that was probably horrible. Well, Pleven, Bulgaria. We have a story that we'll tell on another podcast, but we probably wouldn't ever move to Pleven, Bulgaria. Sorry. I mean, I liked Sophia. For any Bulgarians out there. (laughs) (laughs) All those Bulgarians listening to our podcast. I liked Sophia. I would live in Sofia, Bulgaria. Yeah, not, and the not Plevin. Are beautiful in Bulgaria. Oh man, they are. But the city of Plevin, we spent a very restless night one night. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> another time. But I found one. I found one. You, you wouldn't move to. I probably would. I just wouldn't <laughs> live in that horrible hotel we stayed. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> we're in Mold- Moldova, Malawi, Moldova, Malawi. We're in Malawi. Uh huh. And um, we're on the ride to from Blantyre to Zamba, and you've already decided that you want to move there. For me, um, it was that first week I was teaching about 75 pastors in the city of Zamba. And during that first week, it hit me. This is the type of place and this is the type of work that I would want to do with the rest of my life. Mm. Uh, It wasn't necessarily this is where and how can I get there, but this is this. I feel like this is what I'm made for. Yeah. 
So we we leave that trip and we come back to Buffalo, Kentucky, just really torn because we knew we were where we were supposed to be at Mount Tabor. Mm-hmm. And we loved the people of Mount Tabor, loved serving them and preaching there and, and pastoring there. And still didn't really feel like moving back overseas was an option right. with Jude. Right. Um, but at the same time, just having this desire mm-hmm. in our heart. Um, you know, some people probably feel like the the urge to go to the mission field, the call to go to the mission field has to be something that you don't really want to do. Yeah, some miserable, horrible sacrifice that God is making you do. Yeah, so you... If you're really called, it's a sacrifice that you're giving up living in wonderful America mm-hmm. and you're you're going and making this sacrifice where you're going to be miserable for the rest of your life, living among poor people, you know, on the other side of the world away from your family, which is not to say they're we're not saying there aren't those sacrifices, right? We're not looking forward to being away from our family. Absolutely. No, that that is the biggest sacrifice. But that doesn't mean that we don't desire to do this ministry and to be where God has called us to be. We're really excited about it. And in fact, I'd say that that's like the top, top way of recognizing God's call and God's guidance is what desire has he put into your heart. Yeah. In First Timothy chapter three, where Paul gives the qualifications for the elders of the church, that's where he begins. He says, um, "The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work." So he begins by saying, "If someone is called to be a pastor, then the first place to look is there are people who desire to do this." Mm-hmm. And we desire to be in Malawi. We desire to do the work that God's called us to do. Yes. And to piggyback on that, this is something I've told a few people in conversations, and it, I've kind of developed this theology about it, that um, there are there are people who don't like change, and they don't like travel, and they don't like weird food, and they are they are not people that God has equipped for missionary life in general. And you... If you're listening and that's you, you don't have to feel guilty no. about that. Yeah. But there are people that God has given a love for travel, this wanderlust, this itch to just get out there and see the world and go. And you love to travel and you love being in airports and you love trying new food and doing weird stuff. And I feel like that that is something just like, Say just like a gift in public speaking, God gives that gift to believers and non-believers alike, and that's a gift that believers can use for His glory in their mm-hmm. callings. Mm-hmm. And I strongly believe that that wanderlust and that travel itch is something that God gives to His children to equip them for missions. I think there's an analogy there, even with what most. Christians are going to see every week in the pulpit. You can go to work or you can go to a college or you can go any number of places where you can hear 
talented speakers who have a talent in speaking mm-hmm. and they love speaking and they love giving speeches and presentations. But then there are some of us who, as believers who God uses that talent and, and, and fills it with an extra Holy Spirit gifting to be preachers of the gospel. And there are over, there's overlap there, but God's using natural talents and abilities and personalities exactly. for his glory. And I'm nobody's Holy Spirit, and I don't want to try to be. But if God has given you that wanderlust and that love of travel, and I just want to live overseas, I don't even care where, then prayerfully consider that that might be something that God has put in your heart for a reason for the advance of his kingdom. Yeah. Be, be open to it and, um, and just lay it all out there before the Lord and say, this is how you've made me. And and for some people, I think the Lord's going to come back through the circumstances of your life. Like we thought we were going to be at, at Mount Tabor. We thought the circumstances of our life with a child with autism meant that we were going to be here in the U.S. and that we were just going to go on trips mm-hmm. overseas. And we were going to give all we could during those trips for God's glory. Um, but it was just the circumstances of our life were never going to allow us to be there. And that changed, like mm-hmm. we're about to talk about. But for some people, that's not going to change. There are going to be circumstances that keep them here. And there's also opportunities for them to go overseas as well and use that desire mm-hmm. um, and that personality for God's glory. But but I think the place you need to start is not by saying, well, I'm going to stay here because this is where it's comfortable. And it, it's to say... This is something that's in my heart. I'm just going to lay it before God and ask him to um, guide me in this Mm -hmm. and make it clear to me. And when you're in that position, like we've already been talking about, the shepherd's going to get you where you're supposed to be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just like he got us where we're supposed to be. Back to our story. You like that uh, (laughs) little segue? That was nice. so, So in 2015, I went to Malawi a second time. You stayed home with the kids, and um, you were very jealous the entire so time. So jealous. And uh, on this trip, actually, we lost internet uh, access for a while, so mm-hmm. you couldn't even check in on me for a while, which I don't know, maybe that made it easier on you that I wasn't just <laughs> telling you all these cool things I, were, I was doing in Malawi. But um, on, a, on a second trip, for me... I've been there. I know what to expect. I know what it's going to look like when I get off the plane. I know these men already. I've met them once. I've spent a week um, teaching men in this one location. I've spent a week teaching them in another location. It's just kind of starting to feel like something that I'm used to. And the question for me is, was my first trip here a fluke? You know, was it just, you know, some mission trip high or was it really God weighing something on my heart? And even more than ever before, um, I felt like this is what I want to do. This is where where I feel like I, I'm flourishing, where where I want 
to be. Mm-hmm. And so after that year, I came back and I, I told you, you have to go back with me one more time. And we that have to figure it out. didn't take much convincing. Yeah, of course. The, the only question was how we were going to pay for you to get back there. Of course, the Lord provides. He did. For those things. And so we go back a third time in 2016. And I did some teaching, like mm-hmm. I always did when I went and I trained some pastors. But the main thing we did was just try to ask the question, is this where God wants us to be? And if so... How is he going to take care of our family here? Yeah. So we did some pretty mundane things on that trip. We did. We visited grocery stores to see because we all have special diets except for Josh. And we visited the sweetest little British school there in Zomba that will be an option for the kids to go to. And they even talked about... um, being able to accommodate Jude and answered a lot of questions about that, which was really affirming and encouraging. really all we were doing was saying, what would it look like to actually live here? Yeah. Because if you've been on a mission trip, you've been somewhere and you were going, 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 going for mm-hmm. a week, a week and a half, two weeks. And you had this amazing experience. Uh, but that's very different from actually moving to that place and living there and doing ministry there. Very different. So you go on a mission trip. Most of the time, the missionaries who are receiving you, they've bought your groceries. They've arranged for your laundry. They've done everything to take care of you so you can focus on whatever the the, the jobs are that you're there to do. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when you move there, Nobody's making those plans for you. Nobody's making sure that you have food on the table and you've got to figure all that out. Yeah, but that trip was just really affirming and and really answered a lot of questions. And one of the main things that we, even leaving that trip, still had unanswered was where were we going to live? Mm-hmm. And this was probably the last... Um, piece to the puzzle. And a a month or two after we left Malawi, Mm -hmm. someone anonymously gave $50,000 to build us a house there before we even had said we're moving there. Yeah. That money came in anonymously for us. And when that happened, it was, it was clear. Yeah. It was all over then. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and so we we told Mount Tabor Baptist Church that we were leaving, and um, that was one of the hardest things I think I've ever done. Uh huh. That was that was rough. You know, you you stand up in the pulpit at the end of a service on Sunday morning, and you have to tell a group of people that you love that God's leading you somewhere else, uh, and thankfully they loved us too, and they they kind of. They didn't know it. It was out of nowhere. But at th- on the other hand, I think when a lot of them reflected on what I was telling them about being called to Malawi, they knew in their hearts of hearts it was right. It mm-hmm. was what it, it was what God wanted for us. I think so. And um, and so we left there. We came to my hometown where we've been living as we're raising our support and getting ready to to move in July. And it's just amazing. Now it's. Almost here. Yeah, it is. So so I know there's going to be some people listening who are going through this process themselves. 
And we've just told in a few minutes um, a process that goes back, what, 15 years? At least. At least. Um, other threads of it go back, you know, all the way to... Probably 20 years. Yeah, even further. And so it's a long process of God's calling and God's guidance to a place. So if somebody's dealing with that, what would you tell them? I would tell them to seek God and to to try to know God as deeply and as personally as you can to walk with him and to just really dig into that relationship with him. Yeah, just like we've been saying, if you are pursuing God, he's not going to let you quote unquote miss the center of his will. Right. He's going to guide you. Um, For me, we're talking about these two aspects of making this life decision to go on the mission field. There is what we call the call um, to gospel ministry. Most of the time in the New Testament, when the word call is used, it's about the call to salvation. But there's other times where it's very clear the word call can talk about the call to gospel ministry. Paul says he was called to be an apostle in Romans chapter 1. And I think what he's talking about when he talks about this call is the same thing he talks about in 1 Corinthians 9.16 when he says he's compelled to -hmm. preach the gospel. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And I know for me, as as a pastor and a preacher and a teacher, I feel that there's nothing else I can do mm-hmm. with my life. Absolutely. And you feel that even as as someone whose main job is to focus on our kids in our home right now in this stage of life, yeah. but you you still feel that you're compelled. Absolutely. To do what we're doing. Yeah. So just, you know, get close to the Lord and just start praying about it. Keep your eyes and ears open to opportunities. I think we need to be clear, though, when we're talking about this word compelled that we're taking from 1 Corinthians 9, 16, it's not the idea of I don't want to go, but I feel that God is making me go. Right. What I think Paul's talking about and what we're talking about is you have such a desire Mm -hmm. to do the work of ministry, do the work of the gospel proclamation around the world that you have no other choice because it's what you want to do. And so it's, it's not... It's not you don't want to do it. It's you do want to do it. And God's given you the gifting and got, and you have the character of someone who's qualified to do that. And the church, those around you, believers around you are saying, yes, this is what you're called to do. Yeah. And so you have this call on your life and then God guides you through how that call is going to be expressed. Mm-hmm. Through different opportunities that come your way, different people in your life. I mean, we're praying about God growing us a team of people to work in Malawi. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking about it, hey, send us an email and talk to us about Malawi. Yes, definitely do that. And we um, would love to talk to you, um, not just about coming and serving with Gospel Life, which we want great people to serve with us, but we love just talking to people about 
um, this experience. And maybe God's going to lead you to another organization at the end of the day, but we'd love to talk to you nonetheless. We really love it. If you enjoyed today's episode, but you have questions, then that's great. Go on over to gospellife.org slash questions, and you can submit your questions, and in a future episode, we'll try to answer them. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Gospel Life Go. God provides for the needs of Gospel Life through your prayers and gifts. To become a prayer or giving partner, go to gospellife.org. We hope you join us in glorifying God by growing disciples who make disciples. We hope that you live a gospel life.